Hello, this is Danny Bly from the College of Integrated Chinese Medicine with our podcast for acupuncture students and practitioners. Today I'm asking members of the faculty how often do you use odour to diagnose the CF? And then we're talking to Rebecca Averna about the paediatric acupuncture course here at CICM. Here's Magda Cotts. Quite often, especially when I'm stuck between two CFs, is it wood or earth, is it fire or metal, is it... So odour can be your kind of decider, can Yeah. And do you, do you focus on odour at that point? Do you make an yeah. active decision? Say I'm to... doing AE or something, that's a good opportunity to focus on odour. I have noticed that change with treatment, so or appear, sort of, and I take that as a sign of change, you know, a deeper mm. change. Here are our foodies, Jason Davis and Greg Lampert. Nowhere near as much as I would like to. I've got, I think, a really, really, really good sense of smell. Okay, that's good. Um, I used to cook for a living and I would use smell much more regularly than taste for testing food. Because if you test food throughout the day when you're cooking, by the end of the day you're just kind of all gapped up with having tasted a million dishes a million times. So I used to use my nose a lot rather than mm. only just do tastings right at the very end. And I think I developed a very good sense of mm. smell. You know, how much more salt does it need? I'll have a smell to find out kind of thing. But with patients these days, it's just so difficult because people come in wearing all sorts of stuff or having washed with, you know, all sort of bathroom products and stuff like mm. that. It's just hard. There's so many other smells so getting in the way of stuff. the body smell. It's kind of like this cacophony of scent. If I go out the room and come back in, that's something different. And again, if they're not wearing something too strong, Mm. if you leave someone in a warm room for a few minutes on their own, you can generally pick up some odour when you Mm. go back in. I often find as well that I pick up odour most strongly after a treatment or in the middle of having done some needles. And and then I get a smell which is a change and I pick it up in a way that I don't, which, which isn't covered by soaps and perfumes and all of the other... Yes, yeah, or maybe you've been acclimatised to those smells and they become background, so you've mm. become any change. It's totally dependent on my nose. I, 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 uh, <laughs> you know, I have days when my nose is working, and, mm. and, and sometimes, sometimes it's just not. I would say often I use it when not, because it's not a conscious thing, mm. it just hits me. So I'll kind of be in there and I'll be like, something just goes bump. When I get it, I use that information. Like a light bulb moment. It's like, but oh shit, it's brain. Wow, okay, that, and that means a lot. Do you think that when you say about the subconscious, I mean, smell is such a deep subconscious mm. sense, isn't it? It's mm. a real, I, I wonder often when I get a real gut feeling about mm. somebody's CF, I wonder mm. how often that's because of smell rather than because it, of... It's, it's an interesting one. It's interesting. It's like, you know, are we, are we do we have some deep way of communicating with each other through odour that we have consciously lost and that we're picking up people's imbalances in that way I have no idea mm. but it's an, it's it's an, an interesting, interesting idea. thought really interesting yeah Rebecca you've just started the paediatrics course here at Kickham yes, can you right. tell us a little bit about it and it's 18 days uh, in class over a year and it's for practitioners who know that they would like to treat children or maybe they already treat children but they want to do more of it or gain more confidence in doing it and um, it's a mix of theory but a lot of practical 
Um, so every day there's something, either maybe a bit of paediatric to in our patients in class. Um, so it's my real kind of focus is for people to get to the end of the course and absolutely know that they know they can treat a mm. baby or an eight-year-old or a teenager because I think a lot of people know the theory but mm. they're really kind of nervous of actually being in the treatment room mm. you know screaming children concerned parents the focus is really on getting people to a stage before the end of the course where they feel great I can just start doing this now and mm. sounds great so there's a strong kind of practical element to the course. We're not just talking yeah. about theory, we're talking about no. learning skills. Exactly. So we are covering the theory that's relevant to children, obviously, but we're covering how to needle children and also lots of alternatives to needling paediatric 2 in R, a bit of lasers, a bit of shonishin, um, so that people feel that they have a good selection of tools in their mm. toolbox. So a difference tools for different age children and yeah, different types and of children. Yeah, and different types of children. Mm -hmm. Because I think that it takes the pressure off you as a practitioner if you know that you don't necessarily have to needle every child on the first appointment. So mm -hmm. everyone's kind of more relaxed. And even though more often than not, you probably do end up doing that, it's mm -hmm. just really nice to know that you've got flexibility and you can therefore help a wider range of children then yeah. you might be able so to you can take some of the pressure away yeah exactly and you never have to say you never have to turn a child away if for whatever reason they really won't be needled uh, that you otherwise might have been able to help because there's something else that you can do for them mm. and how much of this is a, a, around sort of treating children with five elements and how much of it is mm. TCM how That's do you integrate those two things it's definitely covering both so we're looking at the differentiation of all the common childhood conditions that children come to the clinic with. But we're also looking at the importance of treating children from a five element perspective, not only in terms of how that can eradicate their symptoms, but my strong belief is that five element treatment can help support children with their growth and development, both emotional, psychological, physical, it can be a fantastic kind of support for them throughout their childhood, just simple five element treatments, mm. because a lot of kids these days are under loads of pressure, mm. so I think it can help them to thrive and enjoy life more, as well as hopefully preventing illness that might have otherwise arisen, so we're so looking a lot at that. So we're not just talking about treating bedwetting and treating asthma, we're talking no. about supporting a child through the school process and yeah. supporting them through yeah. their, their, their development. Yeah, and particularly phases of intense development. So adolescence, for example, where everything is sort of thrown up into the air. I think five element treatment can help it to land back in a good way within the the teenager, um, I think that's a time when often things are more likely to go awry. Mm -hmm. So, for example, then. And also looking at the five elements as a way of understanding children and how to be with them in the treatment room and how to work with them and how to give lifestyle advice based mm -hmm. on their element type. And five element treatment suits children well anyway because yeah. it tends to be 
less needles and gentler exactly. treatment and, and yeah, more exactly. kind of constitutional level treatment. Yeah, very much so. And, I, and most children haven't got so many kind of layers of complex pathology as most of us most of our adult patients do so mm. it's it's a really really suitable form of children of treatment for children mm. yeah so what's special about treating children what do you what do you love about um, it and what's unique about oh, it oh i just love so many things about it for me the pleasure of seeing a child getting better seeing them start to thrive and enjoy life in a way that a child should mm. and seeing the pressure that that takes off their family um, there's nothing better in my mind than seeing that I also love being around children I love their energy and I love the energy that they bring into the treatment room and mm. it's really really different than treating adults the energy is completely different there's something wonderful about seeing the world through the eyes of a child, yeah, isn't there? Absolutely. And it just, you know, it helps you as a practitioner to stay joyful and light, mm. I think. Yeah. I think I get as much from it as they do, as it were. So, our very first integrated paediatrics acupuncture course is going well. If you want to find out more, you can go to acupunturecollege.org.uk. That was Rebecca Avern, who runs the course and has written a fantastic book on paediatric acupuncture. I'm also teaching on that course, and we have guest lecturers, paediatrician Lynn Walmsley and the wonderful Julian Scott. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, you can contact us on podcasts at citm.org.uk. And remember, this is for acupuncture students and practitioners only and is not intended for the general public.